Welcome to a Season of Caring podcast where there's hope for living, loving, and caring with no regrets. This is Raina Nysis, your host, and I wanted to say to you, Merry Christmas. Here we are at the end of 2020, and I am so blessed to be able to share. We've had a thousand downloads to the podcast, and that just makes my heart so happy to know that there are listeners like you getting the encouragement that you need to live, love, and care with no regrets. If you would do me a favor and go to the podcast platform that you listen to our podcast on and leave a review for our podcast, that would help others find us. So I'd really appreciate it if you could do that. We are bringing you encore episodes of our top four episodes in 2020. And today we have a really special one. This is our number three Listen to podcast in 2020, and it is my interview with Kenzie Oglesby. Kenzie found herself in a place she really hoped she never would, and that was the place of needing to step in and help take care of her mom. She and her mom had such a difficult relationship their whole life. Difficult is not even a strong enough word to describe how bad their relationship was. And so in this interview, you get to learn how Kenzie was able to lean on her faith, to step into her mom's greatest need and meet that need with love and compassion. Join me today in listening to Kenzie Ogilby's interview, Healed Relationships. Hi, Kenzie. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Raina. Thank you for the invite. Oh, I'm so glad to have you here today. So let me tell you a little bit about Kenzie. The last thing she ever expected was to care for her mother. She had many painful memories of her childhood where her mother was verbally abusive and cruel. But after her father died, she knew that her mother was showing signs of dementia and would soon be unable to care for herself. In due time, Kinsey moved her mother into her home and cared for her five years before she passed away. These five years taught her so many surprising lessons. Kinsey is a soul care coach, a writer, a speaker. She has a passion to help Christian women strengthen their relationship with God and find inner healing in the places of soul wounding or trauma. This takes place in one-on-one coaching sessions or online group settings and workshops. She writes stories of her own personal journey with God which can be found at her blog at coachkinsey.com. And she stays active and has run several half marathons and sprint triathlons. Kinsey is insightful, humorous, loving, and generous. And she is quick to offer a hug to anybody who will receive it. <laughs> Kinsey, I'm so excited for our listeners to have an opportunity to share your story because so many times your story, unlike my story, I had a good relationship with my parents. And so for me to step into a caregiving role was not easy, but way easier than having a tough relationship like you had with your mom. So share with us a little bit about how you became her caregiver, how you moved into that role. Yes. Thank you, Raina. Um, It was actually interesting. You know, after my dad died, I, I moved down to where she lived, which was basically about 10, 12 hours from where we were in North Carolina. But I wanted to live close to her to see, you know, how she was handling things. And what we discovered is that these telephone scam artists were just taking her money right and left. Mm. And she was just sending them everybody money. And so we were trying to put a stop to that. We went and talked to the banker actually, and just said, listen, this is what's happening. So if she comes in here wanting to wire some big money or something, please let us know. And they're like, we can't stop her from doing any transactions. But and we were just hoping they would call us. And certainly they did one day. They said, she's trying to wire $30,000 to a relative in Canada. We have no relatives in Canada. And my sister and I jumped in the car immediately 
went to the bank and we finally did get our name on her account and transferred the money to another account. And they held her at the bank like, we need you to wait a minute. It's going to take a while. And then they said, you don't have sufficient funds. They were waiting for us. We did all that within an hour. And wow. And so we, we were able to stop it. But we knew that she was just unable. So we've actually put her in a retirement home for maybe one or two years, I think, because, you know, in our home, there, there's not really anything to do. But there they had activities and chapel. and They'd go on little field trips and all that stuff. But the last six months she was living there she began to get real confused about where the dining room was and she wasn't participating in any of the events we thought well if she's just going to sit there on her sofa then we're going to bring her to our home because we just couldn't we just couldn't leave her there like that mm-hmm. you know and she was ready to move into the assisted part mm-hmm. it was hard yeah it's hard it was really hard to get a diagnosis we told several people she has dementia and they would ask her questions like, no, she's okay. I'm like, well, you're not even asking mm-hmm. us to verify if the information she's given you is correct. <laughs> so it was really hard to get her diagnosed, but yeah, it was really bad. But it's frustrating and maddening what people do to the elderly. It is. Uh, we experienced that with my dad as well through the mail more than, I guess he did have phone calls as well. And they would as we look in his checkbook, he would send not large sums like you were talking about, but small amounts that added up mm-hmm. to hundreds of dollars every month. And right. once they knew that he would send something, mm-hmm. they would send two and three requests a month and he would be oh, sending yeah. money to the same group. And like you, you're totally powerless to help them mm-hmm. because and they just was, don't realize what they're doing and right. no one is helping. I don't understand that. It's it's crazy. It's, it's crazy. very frustrating. Yeah, but that was where our big clue came in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then trying to get help on the medical end was challenging. Oh, it was very challenging. Very challenging. Eventually you did get a diagnosis or? Yeah. And we had a scan, but they still weren't, you know, because it wasn't, they didn't say it was Alzheimer's and she had shrinkage in her brain and all, but I mean, basically the, the signs were just all around us. And when she couldn't find her way anymore to the dining room and was confused about where she was and we knew. So she was still mobile and she has what's called Louis Parkins, dementia, Parkins, something like that. Can't remember bodies. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. So she had a lot of tremors, was difficulty holding anything to drink or even feeding herself and that type of stuff mm-hmm. just continued progressively got worse. And so she needed a lot of assistance then, but she was still mobile, but very confused. And that's probably the hardest part for caregivers. When they become bedridden, it's much, much easier to take care of them. When they're mobile, it's like a toddler. you got to watch them all the time. You never know where they're going to go or what (laughs) idea is going to strike that they're just going to try to go somewhere, just leave. Right, right. She did slip out one day and fell in the garage and broke her wrist. But, you know, Mm -hmm. we've installed nanny cams into different rooms and stuff. But the journey with her, you know, what really stands out and significant, Raina, is that my mom and I did not have a good relationship, as you read in the introduction. And I dreaded the thought that my dad might die before mom mm-hmm. and that we would have to take care of her. I never thought it would be bad to take care of my dad. But she was a very cruel, unkind woman to us growing up. Now, things changed after I became an adult, and I certainly forgave her and all, but I was still not close to her. Mm-hmm. There was no emotional intimacy between us at all. So when she came into the home and as she progressed where she became incontinent and we had to put her in diapers, I mean, all of these things are like gigantic bridges because the, the thing is, is mom and I didn't touch. 
<laughs> you know, I don't remember ever being hugged or held by her or anything. Mm-hmm. And so I'm having to touch her body. I'm having to see, I'm having to bathe her. The first day that I had to give her a shower, I was a nervous wreck. But she still had enough of her mental faculties to know that that was embarrassing and she didn't want my help. Mm-hmm. And I remember calling my sister. I said, I feel like I'm going to throw up. I don't think I can do this. And I just struggled my heels all day and finally did it. And once we crossed the bridge, it was a lot easier. She didn't like it, but I, I did it in as dignified way as I possibly could. And, uh, but each step, you know, we kept progressing to different levels of touch. And uh, that was probably the hardest thing was just touching her body because that's an intimate thing. Mm-hmm. And especially when you start doing diapers and bathing them and that kind of stuff. And then as it progresses, it gets even worse. You're doing things that nurses do. <laughs> and it's a, it's a big barrier that you have to uh, walk through. But what God did is he started bringing a lot of healing to me in that process. Because when you're taking care of somebody like that, you get a certain kind of connection. There's probably a word for it. I don't know what it is. You know, in the psychological field, there's probably a word for that. There is a sort of connection that builds. There's a bonding over the caregiving. Mm-hmm. I guess it, it, it would happen with anybody because you're responsible for them. And so I tried to treat her with you know as much dignity and respect as I possibly could. So that that kind of started building a bridge between my heart to her. Mm-hmm. and started softening towards her because it's it's a very sad thing to watch somebody slowly die and to lose their brain. And then and then the fear that was in her eyes and the confusion. That's even worse because you don't want them to be afraid and you don't want them to be, you want them to feel safe and secure. And, and it's, it's a, man, it's painful to watch. I can't even imagine how painful it is if you have so many fond memories with that person. But even not having that, it was painful to watch her. And I, you know, always, I pray that God would just take her because that, that existence is just, there's no quality of life at all. But God used it. And, you know, I have, I, I am a, Christian and I have a deep faith and talk, you know, I talk to God routinely about whatever's going on in my life. And I would talk to him about my mother. And one day I feel like he said to me, and I journal all this down. I actually have this written down. He says, thank you so much for taking care of Barbara. Barbara was her name and her nickname was Bobby. That was the nickname her mother had given. Thank you for taking care of her. She's my Bobby. That's what he said. My Bobby. And you're my arms and eyes, hands and feet for her right now. And she's my princess. And I love how you're taking care of her. And I just want you to know that and let her know how much I love her. God's Mm. telling me this and I'm like, whoa. I mean, I really set me back reeling because what happened then is he expanded my perception of this woman. He added value to her. That was supernatural. This is her God-given identity to me. To to me, Kenzie, she is a precious, precious soul. And so what happened is that something snapped in me and I realized at this point, up until this point, I had been very dutiful, very honoring, very loving and kind to my mother. But this took to a whole nother level. This took to a restoration level Mm -hmm. because that next morning when I went into her room, I put kisses all over her face. Oh, wow. And I said, Jesus wants me to let you know how much he loves you. 
and you're his precious daughter. And from that point on, I didn't just take care of her. I loved her. You know what I'm saying? And I would kiss her all the time. And that was just like, if, if you just knew, you know, how we weren't touchers and to go to that extreme of kissing her, that is the beauty of what God can do in a soul. And he just elevated her to see her like he sees her and that I could step in for him and give her those last days of love and just kind of usher her into his arms when he was ready to call her home was just beautiful. So it was, it went from dutiful relating to holy relating and restoration. So amazing to have that opportunity to hear God and let him heal and bring that perspective. Mm -hmm. Caregiving is so difficult. And as you hire people to help, you can kind of see the heart of the dutiful versus the Mm -hmm. ones who do it in love. And when I think of those who did it in love, the grief that they experienced when we lost my dad was Mm -hmm. on a whole different level than those who just did the dutiful job. And that's such a great way of seeing, really being able to see into what the difference is because we had many people over the years helping us care for my dad and there was a big difference, but that's beautiful to see that. Yeah, it's good that you point that out because we had some caregivers that we hired to come in and also hospice came in, of course, the last couple of years. And there was definitely a difference. And that, and we had some really good help. The one caregiver that we hired, she was there when my mom died and she just broke down and, and sobs, you know, because she called her her baby. That's my baby. <laughs> and your so. mom didn't have a relationship by that point, you know, to be able to no. give into the relationship. So it really was just an outpouring of love. It was. So So definitely the journey of moving from meeting those physical needs to learning to express the love of God for her Mm -hmm. was a beautiful journey and what a blessing. So what other lessons would you say you experienced through that journey Mm -hmm. of caring for your mom? So that was more of the soul lesson, but you know, there's just a lot of practical things you learn. One of the things is like, it is so expensive to take care of the elderly. It's so expensive to take care of them. Thankfully, my mom had a lot of money. We were able to do it. But you know, if we had had that burden on us, I don't know how well we had done it. So, you know, (laughs) it might've made it a lot more difficult. And that's where a lot of people are. They don't have the funds to take care of their parents, but uh, so I learned one is make sure that I have enough for my children to take care of me because that would be a huge burden. But also, not just that, but buying them the best of things. Hospice would bring you diapers and, uh, you know, that you'd have to change them every hour because they're the cheapest diapers in the world. And I mean, I found these things on Amazon that hold 52 ounces. I'm like, dang, we're putting those things on her. I don't care if they cost $10 a piece. We're putting those things on her at night so we can get some sleep and yeah. not have to keep getting up in the middle of the night. The money to buy the good things, the electrical bed we got, we got it off of Craigslist. Listen, for every, anybody that's taking care of a bedridden patient, they need one of those electric beds, not the crank kind. I got it for $400 on Craigslist. It was heavy. As I had to you know, get people to bring it in the house, but it was the best investment we made. And then I turned around and sold it after she died for the same amount I paid for it. So mm-hmm. they're very expensive beds. They run two to $3,000, but you look for them. They're good. Highly recommend that for people who are in caregiving. Just know that it will cost, but also you just have to call in Calvary. You really do have to get help. 
you cannot do it on your own. It's just, it's too much for any one person because it's emotionally draining. It's hard. You can't leave the house. You're housebound. But I was fortunate enough to have my husband who worked from home. And so his office was in the home. And so we came up with schedules and we took turns feeding her and, and changing her diaper and stuff. He was a saint. I mean, he is such a hero the way he came in and helped me with my mom for all those years. It was just great. And so you have to find help. If you can't afford it, you find you find people who can come in and help you because if you don't, it will take you under. Yes, very much so. And it gives them the opportunity to grow and serve. I mean, people do want to. They want to help. And when we don't ask for help, we're denying them an opportunity to use their gifts and their strengths and and just the blessing of blessing you. And yeah. being the hands and feet of Jesus. That's right. Being the hands and feet of Jesus. <laughs> it's so beautiful. I, I have a high. So wise. So lesson wise, just to kind of recap there, financially, it's it is a big burden in that way if we don't plan. So I, as well, walking that journey with both parents, it's important for me to have money set aside for my care because no matter if I have dementia or disease like that, or if there's other, it's the last years of our life are the most expensive. So we have to plan for it. And having financial resources gives us more options. And that's just the truth. Having the tools that you need, invest, Mm -hmm. find a way to invest in what you need. I agree. There are so many great things out there. You Mm -hmm. have to find them, but you Mm -hmm. can get them used because I know that was even a process once we lost my dad trying to then pass on these things that Mm -hmm. we had. It was kind of a process to find somebody who wanted those or was able to take those. Mm -hmm. And then um, just call in the Calvary. I love that because we talk about it all the time on the podcast. You cannot do this alone. And there are people who love you and will love the person that you're caring for. Right find them, ask, ask, ask. It seems like it's a lot harder to do than it, than it is when you learn to ask and just invite. That's kind of the way I always say it is invite someone to be a part of this. And if Mm -hmm. they say no, that's okay. But keep inviting. You know, uh, high respect for people that are in that business, people that work for, I love hospice. They were amazing. I tell you, it felt like I had a safety net. Because there were so many things going on, you know, one, one, one day her, her stomach was so swollen, it looked like she was nine months pregnant. And I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Mm-hmm. I had them to call. Right. And say, you know, here and there, there oh yeah, yeah, her colon's twisted. They came in and did an x-ray in my home. They had these portals. And who, who knew? But I wouldn't <laughs> have known what to do without them. So they were just great. And I didn't know she was ready for hospice. And somebody in my church said, you know, you might want to just give them a call. Because mm-hmm. I didn't think she was sick enough for it, and and uh, was ready for it, and and they usually it's like for the last six months of life, but I think we had them for a year and a half at least. Yeah, it's one of those things that there's a qualification, and it doesn't hurt to ask. Right. They're going to come in and evaluate and decide yes. whether or not they qualify, and so it, it doesn't hurt for them to come out and do that, even if your answer is right. no, not yet. At least you have right. that relationship started and you know. And not um, only that, they have resources that they can share with you if she doesn't, he or she doesn't qualify. So that's that's really helpful because they know, they know all about it. That's what they do. 
Yes. And we don't, we don't, we don't have a clue. It's the first time we're experiencing this. Exactly. (laughs) But having them felt like such a safety net, like we're on a tightrope and down there's a net. So we're, we're good. (laughs) <laughs> that's amazing. And I would also encourage listeners, if that's not your experience with your hospice team, find mm-hmm. a different team. <laughs> right. See, I didn't even know you could shop around for them either, but you yes. can't because there's all kinds of hospice uh, chapters or whatever you call them. Branches. Yes. There are so many different ones available and, you know, who the team is definitely makes a difference. Sometimes you connect, sometimes you don't. So finding that mm-hmm. support for you is a huge piece of it. So we're, we're wrapping up here as we get to the end. Do you have any specific tips that you would like to share with our caregivers? Mm, I guess because of the way my story turned out and the healing aspect of it is just go to Jesus, <laughs> you know, let him show you how to move forward with whoever you're having to give care for because he will. And he's there and just knowing that he's there supporting you as well. And it's, it's a beautiful thing to give dignity to a dying person. I think our culture does not respect the elderly generation enough. I don't think that they are treated with the honor and respect and dignity that they deserve. And so we have an opportunity to enter into that space with God because all human life matters, right? Mm-hmm. Especially the elderly. And so it's, just, it's a beautiful place to enter in with God to care for people he treasures. And being able to transform that relationship that you had with your mom and make it where these difficult last years, there was so much required of you, also is a sweet memory and a beautiful healing. It's so sweet, Raina. You know, I thought I was able to give to her everything she could not give to me. Mm-hmm. But she's healed now. She's completely healed and whole. So it's going to be good and interesting to see her in that, in that way. (laughs) It will be, that will be such a blessing to have a whole different relationship when she's able to give back and not just receive. Right. Yeah. I have a story I wrote about her. It's called Kisses for Bobby. It's on my blog post. If people want to go, it's a sweet story. People can go and read about that. Mm -hmm. That would be great. Definitely check out Kinsey's website at coachkinsey.com. Mm-hmm. And thank you so much, Kinsey, for the time today and just helping us see a little different perspective from that deeply wounded relationship to a beautifully restored relationship. These caregiving years are full of a lot of struggle and pain and more than we even imagine as we're starting on the journey. But mm-hmm. thankfully, I, as a person of faith as well, have experienced that the Lord's strength and love through us can do all things. And Mm. so thankfully you can experience that as well, listeners, if you haven't. So thank you for joining us today, Kenzie. Thank you, Raina. I appreciate the opportunity. And listeners, remember, again, you can find out more about working with Kenzie as a soul care coach at her website, coachkenzie.com. Thanks again for joining us today, listeners. Just a reminder, a season of caring podcast is created for the encouragement of family caregivers. If you have medical, financial, or legal questions, please contact your local professionals and take heart in your season of caring.